Today's episode is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co., a black LGBTQ plus owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PLP22 for 10% off your order. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. We are talking F1, probably some more liveries, tests, a little bit of news, and I don't really know what else. So before we dive into it, as per tradition on the F1 side of things, we are going to go uh, trivia to start here. I'm going to try to stump Frenchie. I don't think I've really stumped him on a full one yet, so... This is kind of going to lead to maybe maybe our first topic, maybe a topic we'll talk about at some point, but how many constructors and drivers championships has Renault won as a team? Now Renault also counts Alpine, although that you know, Alpine didn't win anything last year, uh championship wise. So yeah, that's my question. Do you mean as an engine supplier or as a team? Engines uh and en- uh engine supplier for constructors and drivers championships i believe as as an engine supplier i guess they won a bunch with williams so renault powered cars won the i think the championship in 92 93 96 97 at least for drivers championships and then 2005 and 2006 with alonzo and those were also teams championships i don't know i don't think i assume williams won some team championships with renault engines in that time in the 90s but i don't remember all right well i think this is like one of my better wins so far renault has won two constructors championships with their engine and 11 drivers championships as per wikipedia 11 okay so there's two from alonzo um there's damon hill Jacques Villeneuve, so that's four. Alan Prost, Nigel Mansell, six. You said 11 drivers' championships? 11, 11, 11. Oh, crap. Hold on. I Now I'm now I'm out of sorts because I'm on, the, on a different page already. It was 11 drivers' championships, 12 constructors. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think of what the other, I mean, drivers' championships are they've won. Yeah, you know, this might be a bad question, but let's see here. Results. Folks, we are on, we are, they've won 8% of the overall drivers' constructors' championships. There was, like you said, the 90s. I am scrolling back to previous decades. They definitely didn't win any in the 70s or 80s because they came into F1 in like 77 were the first turbocharged cars. Yes, and then 70, during the 80s, I mean, they were pretty good. Yeah, but they didn't they won some races, but they didn't win any championships in the 80s. All right. We're going to we're going to put this one with like a little asterisk because Wikipedia might have failed me here. 
and I'm not able to find quickly results stating otherwise. And I don't I guess, quite uh, understand. Benetton. Oh, yeah. Benetton ran a Renault engine yeah. in 95, so that's another one. I still... I can't count up to 11 with how many we've got. I don't know. All right. Interesting. Well, let's get to some news. Oh, you know what? What am I missing? What are we missing? Four with Vettel. Four with Vettel. Okay. All right. Red Bull Renault engines. So, yeah, I, I can see 11. Okay. Alrighty then. That's real. But as a constructor, how many was it? I said two because it's oh. as a team, they only won with Alonzo. 11 or, I thought, 11 or 12. Yeah. I'm already, I'm already, I've already sc- clicked off of Wikipedia. Okay. So that was a, a half hearted trivia attempt but what's not half-hearted is our friends at stream evergreen the best podcast network in the world also similar to the best f1 livery in 2022 with the green aston martin so go to evergreenpodcast.com and listen to all the wonderful shows on there what's your second favorite livery that's come out so far that you've seen second favorite I do agree with you. I think that Aston Martin takes the cake still as the best ones come out. Aston Martin. What other ones have we seen so far? Like, why am I drawing a blank right now? Uh, we've seen Haas. Nope. We've seen Red Bull. Yeah. We've seen AlphaTauri. Nope. We've now seen um, who else? We Williams, seen? McLaren, and Williams. Yeah, I I would say McLaren would be number two for me right now. Yeah, I think that car looks really good. But you don't. You like the Williams, and I don't like the Williams. And that's the same thing, you know, kind of between hosts here is Shannon doesn't like the Williams. Hickey does like the Williams, I think. So we're pretty divided on on the Williams livery. But what I do want to say is the Williams car, now that we're now that we saw it on tracks, we can actually we actually saw what the car looks like. The nose is very different compared to almost every other car, every car, the you know, kind of the edge of the nose cone as it goes up towards the car is is you know kind of like a 90 degree angle or at least close to a 90 degree angle and the williams is very curvy and swooped even even as you go throughout the whole nose almost like the mercedes 2018 2019 where it had that like real kind of u-shape at the bottom there so definitely different compared to the others which i find pretty interesting and at some point over the next couple weeks we'll dive more into that as we see more cars testing and on track. Yeah, I think once we see testing in just a few weeks time, actually. um, No, I mean, it's happening, I think next week, we're going to see cars on track towards the end of the week in Barcelona. So then we'll we'll have a sense of, I guess, more technically what we're seeing and what the little differences are making in terms of performance. Yeah. All right. What do we got next? So you just sent me this, yeah. and I am glad you did because this was interesting. Going back to talking about Renault, um, apparently Alpine had to completely restart the design for their 2022 car in January due to multiple um, crash test failures. And so they were set to debut their car next Monday, the 21st of February. Who knows if that's going to happen now? We'll see. I mean, they may just do what sort of Red Bull has done and have a, a show car in their livery. Yeah. But 
according to some news sources that uh, we've seen out there, Alpine may not even make the first day of the test in Barcelona next week, and will probably be lucky to complete their car in time for the first race in Bahrain. So, I, I this is the one time I'm actually glad I had to restart my computer right before recording because I was able to scroll through the news and, and catch up on things I haven't seen today. And this is this is like a a colossal screw up like this is a screw up of epic proportions like I'm, I'm i would imagine most f1 teams have some sort of crash test where they have to fix something after the first round like that's that's pretty common in, in automotive things for the most part especially when you're essentially building a new car every year but to fail it what i think i saw was three times when you like holy hell i mean I, I'm trying not to curse here, like I said last week, but this is this is really bad. Like this is worse than Williams missing the test, you know, a couple of years ago when they were in their wood shop and you know they were chiseling away to get the car ready. Like there's there's a strong chance they're going to go into the season with limited to no testing, and while Fernando Alonso might be able to work something with that because he's you know driven in 864 F1 races in his career. Esteban Ocon is still relatively young, and despite our <laughs> you and I's negative view of him, it 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 can't it just can't be good for him to start the year in a car where he has next to next to no laps, and they really won't have a good feel for the car, no matter how many laps they get in at, at this point. If 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 they miss the test next week, obviously that's a still a big if. But to end my rambling, this is like one of the most this is worse than the Williams screw up from a couple of years ago. Yeah, if this is true, then we may already know who's going to be last on the grid all year long. I mean, they might be battling with Haas. That's a that's a damn good point. Oh, I broke my rule again. I, I mean, I kind of predicted it anyway a little bit. That was sort of my idea of one of the teams that was not going to do well, just because they're so unstable with their personnel. They don't have any. I mean, if you're going to change everything, within the team have a bunch of personnel changes and then also have to deal with new regulations. That's just a lot on the organization's plate. And I didn't think it was going to help them move up the grid. I thought they were going to slide backwards, but this is even worse than I could have expected. And it's not good for either of those drivers who probably now regret what it didn't Ocon sign like a multiple year agreement last season. Yeah, I think he signed a two or three year extension. Yeah. And I think Alonzo's contract is up so after this year, but he's still, I mean, he's a, what, 41-year-old? So who knows how much longer he has an F1, and I don't think he wants to be saddled with a, an uncompetitive, underdeveloped car. Yeah. I don't think that's what he was betting on. No, that's, this This feels like if, if this is as bad as I'm envisioning it right now, we're going to get some spicy Alonzo takes throughout the year, which I'm, I'm here for personally. Yeah. Wow, is he going to burn the bridge with another large company? I don't think he really cares, so probably. Yeah, I don't think he cares either. It's just interesting. This team, I don't know. For a team that is a factory team, right? They're, they've really kind of dropped the ball, it sounds like. Pretty pathetic. Yeah, this is embarrassing. This is definitely the uh, pitfall of the offseason right now. Yeah, we'll keep watching that because if that if those rumors are true, um, 
yeah, this is about to get really interesting. Yeah, I agree. All right, what's next? All right, so in probably the biggest news that happened since the last episode, the Motorsports Council for the FIA met last Monday, or the FIA Commission, I guess it's called. They all have a bunch of different names. They met, and they released some findings. They still haven't said anything about what's going to happen with Michael Massey, and their statement on that was that feedback from the commission on matters raised will be incorporated into the president's analysis and he will publicly present news of structural changes and an action plan in the coming days. So they're kicking the can down the road on what they're going to do with Massey. And it's rumored that we could see him and we probably will see him replaced by either the WEC race director, whose name is Eduardo Freitas or former DTM race director, Niels Wittich or Wittich. Okay. We'll see what happens. Uh, maybe it'll be a two-person job. Now we we have no idea what they're going to do. They basically it's not a bad idea. Skip that question. But what we did find out was what they're going to do in terms of sprint races, and then also how they're going to change the rules for if something ever happens again, like we saw at Spa. <laughs> and so what we have are three sprint races this season. Uh, I guess they, we were talking about that if it was going to be an agreement on that. Yeah, thank God. Last week. And I think we're going to see them at Brazil, okay, Imola, and Austria. I can live with that. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. And another thing that they've also changed is the point system related to the sprint races. Love this. So instead of just the top three finishers getting points, it's going to be the top eight in sprint races. Fantastic. And they'll receive eight points for winning the sprint race instead of three, um, whatever it was before. I think it was just three. I think this, not to cut you off, I think this will actually make sprint races exciting now because if you were in positions four through, I don't know, the back half of the field and you didn't have a chance to jump up into the podium, if you weren't, let's say you were position five through the end of the field you probably weren't pushing that hard. So this creates a little bit more incentive for more than just podium finishers. So this this combined with the fact that there's only three sprint races now gives me hope that, okay, maybe we can see how this goes this year before we add additional sprint races. So as much as we've skewered the FIA over the last three plus months, good decision here. Bravo. Yeah. I I definitely agree. And if you count the results up, so let's say someone won all three sprint races, that's 24 points. That's almost a win. Yeah, that's super helpful. A win's 25 points. Yeah. Yeah, so that could make a huge difference in the championship now rather than just three points for each win. And I doubt we'll see the same person win every sprint race, but who knows. Another change that they made was that as the same as before, the qualifying will determine the grid for the sprint and then the result of the sprint will determine the grid for the race but the pole winner will be classified from qualifying not from who wins the sprint race smart again yeah i think they're reverting to what they should have done last year (laughs) yep also fair 
I'm sure they hear feedback from the drivers and they see what people post in comments or in surveys, social media, and they're just reacting to that with the, with what the fans have to say and the drivers and the teams. And they're actually, you know, able to move and be flexible and adjust it appropriately. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. The other big change that I mentioned was what would happen if there was a shortened race. And so they've got a whole bunch of different point structures now that are set in stone, right? And so basically what they've decided is that no points will be awarded unless a minimum of two laps have been completed by the leader without a safety car or a virtual safety car. So we could never see what we saw in Spa happen again. You mean there has to be at least two race laps. So I can't sit on a live stream for five hours thinking I'm going to chat with fans on a race and end up chatting with just Shannon again. No, but you could see a race that lasts just two laps and they would still get points for yeah, it. That would be almost equally as frustrating. I mean, I, this is a, a good, this is the right move. It's still, I, you know, spa still needs to make it right with the fans from last year, which you know, that stupid lottery they did for, you know, free hot dog vouchers and whatnot is just not still not enough. But we'll we'll save that for another day. We won't spend this entire episode complaining about everything that or I won't spend this entire episode complaining. Yeah, and they're not they're no longer doing half points. So there, there's actually set percentages of the race or ra- that will award um, various amounts of points. So, for example, if you have two laps to 25% of what the race was scheduled to be, the winner gets six points. That's now set out. They don't just have to give half points. And then they, they have a bunch of other point structures that they've done for different distances that you guys can go look up. I don't need to read all of those out. But I think making these res- these rules and regulations more clear is 
definitely a plus, especially when we're continuing to talk about the FIA and Massey just making decisions on the fly and then pissing everyone off. Agreed. Now they have rules to fall back on and they can say this is what it says is what we're doing. It's almost like all of the complaints in the offseason. Somebody finally went, ah, shit, that makes a lot of sense. You know who yeah. you know who never makes sense though is Cody Bray. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> okay. Um so in other news, Red Bull has apparently signed the largest crypto deal. So to follow with their massive deal with Oracle that we talked about last week on the show, they've signed a multi-year partnership with a cryptocurrency exchange called Bybit. And apparently it's worth 150 million over 3 years. And given what we know about the Oracle deal, which is supposed to be about $500 million yeah. over the same period of time, Red Bull basically pays the majority of their 135 or $140 million budget cap with these two sponsors alone. It's in, in, first off, it's total insanity. I mean, good for them. I hope, I'm, I'm sure, you know, some of that is the current crypto effect combined with Drive to Survive and... Not to go too off topic, but I hope the future IndyCar series has the same sort of effect down the line. Granted, I am going to sound like an old man yelling at the clouds here. Don't understand the crypto market like even a little bit. And I have a lot of concerns that this is money that's either not going to be paid or they're just going to pay in bitcoin or bit whatever bit money man coin or you know dogecoin or whatever and then his value is going to tank like i I saw somebody some soccer guy signed a a contract or a bonus in bitcoin let's just say a year ago and the dollar equivalent was six hundred thousand, and now it's as of like a month ago was like three hundred and fifty thousand. So it's a little risky from that aspect. Grant, I am not a crypto expert. I don't pretend to be a crypto expert. So please don't grill me if that is a terrible example. But I mean, if if this is the new, as people are saying, the new cigarette, the new tobacco money, and it's here to stay for a while, and we see it in all of motorsports, I'll try my best to learn. But right now, I'm very confused. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I really think it's unstable at the moment with just how these values fluctuate because they're not based in traditional forms of financial valuation. So yeah, it's extremely risky, I think, for teams. But we've seen almost every team has a crypto sponsor. They're all all these kind of small companies that are just popping up. And so if that's where the money is right now and it's real and not just smoke and mirrors, then I'm all for it. It seems like energy drinks were where the money was, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. And then before that, you know, tobacco, if this is the real boom that's next and we are just skeptical because it's the new thing and I guess we're getting old now, or I guess you've been old according to Hickey. Oh, damn. The way to drop it in that one podcast. The way you said that was so sly, like it actually like. It actually stung. Like that was that was one of your better. Oh, damn, damn. All right, continue. Sorry, I'm making you curse all the time. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with this. I, I think as long as it's not NFTs, 
I'm cool with it. Like I'm I'm much happier with crypto than NFTs because NFTs I think are the stupidest thing ever and I really don't understand. And I'm probably gonna get roasted by a few people who are big NFT fans for saying that, but I have made almost no effort to understand them because the idea just sounds absurd to me. Yeah, I, I talked to my brother about NFTs because he's in finance and significantly smarter than I will ever be. And I'm not going to bore everybody with his explanation, but I will be avoiding NFTs. Okay, gotcha. How about crypto? Are you going to invest now? I don't know. I honestly have, again, this is something I would talk to my brother about you know, financial things like that. And I just haven't really talked to him about it yet. So, Andrew, if you're listening, which you're probably not, um, talk to me about crypto. I don't get it. Y'all heard it here, though. PLP coin, the next cryptocurrency. <laughs> We're about to make it. Host coin? Yeah, host coin and PLP coin. <laughs> French coin. We can just make them all. Let's start this empire. Did, did you also see that Miami, the Grand Prix, is actually going to be sponsored? But, by crypto.com so we're seeing i mean it's big money porn. wait speaking of of miami there's going to be like a concert venue within the track now with like a man-made beach yeah. and whatnot and my my only question about that is who's spending a thousand dollars a ticket to go into this race to then just party at a man-made beach like that just I don't feel like it's marketing towards the right crowd. Like I get it, like influencers like that, like to me is like a, uh, the Indy 500 equivalent of like the snake pit, like younger crowd concert, like some of them might become race fans and that's cool, but it's also not $840,000 to get one ticket. So I just don't know if that's, I mean, it's a cool, it's probably going to look really cool, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's being marketed to the right crowd. We don't know who's performing at that yet, do we? No. Okay. I, I mean, I think it's going to be all like TikTokers and influencers who are going to attend that because they have more money than they know what to do with. And they're just going to want to go to like a trendy event, hipster type thing. Yeah. Instead of going to the race. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I guess I'm excited to see that race. Um, and hopefully in the future we can go to that race. Obviously, it's a little cost prohibitive at the moment and it's sold out anyway. But yeah, if, if we can cover that wants to uh, donate, yeah, if we can cover that by a PLP coin, I would gladly go down there for it. You know, this year might be a little tough because I mean, May for me is, is super insane as it is. But yeah, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see how it is. I'm cautiously optimistic right now. Do we have anything else? All right. So, yeah, there's just a couple more things to get to before we sign it off for the week. So. We've seen a few cars on track, and that's been good to see. But apparently, according to Alex Albon and Nicholas Latifi, there are actually some issues, perhaps, with visibility in these cars yeah. due to the bigger tires. Lando talked about this, and then too. And also the, yeah, the, like the wing, the little... Um, End plate thing, or cover part. Yeah. Yeah. The, the arrow pieces that go over that almost look like mud flaps. Yeah. That go over the front wheels. Yeah. The wheel deflectors. Apparently, it's really hard to see the curbs. And while it's not really a problem on these open tracks, like where they were running at Silverstone, both of them mentioned that on the street tracks where you're getting really up tight close to the wall, it may be a serious problem. What do you think about that? Are we going to see a lot more uh, 
brushes with the wall because of this as the drivers get used to it. Yeah, I feel like what's the first one, Baku? Yeah, I think so. So I feel like first three course. FP1 at Baku, which is probably like four in the morning. I actually might wake up for because we might see a lot of broken wings or broken front left suspension or right suspension, depending on which corner they're at. And yeah, I it's going to be something worth monitoring. I you know it's I don't have an opinion yet because the racing hasn't started and we won't see any street circuit stuff until the summer. But I have heard that I actually heard that floated as an idea, like or as a as a concern, like at the end of last year before. We even saw what any cars actually looked like after they they put out the show cars. So, yeah, man, we'll we'll see. I, I I think they'll find a way to be just fine. These guys are professional drivers, but I'm sure you know somebody like Nikita Mazepin will you know screw up probably every chance he gets. Oh well, that was a given. Yeah. And then that was and then William happen. Story will sponsor that spot on the wall or pretend he will because he actually doesn't have money or a company. Yeah, maybe he should start a crypto company. Rich coin. Yeah. Beard. Actually, I bet that's already a thing. Beard coin. Yeah. I, was, the, the, I had something. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna make another coin joke, but it was vulgar and I'd have to bleep myself out. So in, insert vulgar coin for William Story. I think everybody knows where I'm going with that one. So go ahead, I'll let you continue. Probably. <laughs> I think I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Um, yeah. All right, so we have a few more launches left. We're going to see them later this week and next week. And I guess we'll probably come back and talk about those next week and preview testing. But the last thing I'm going to say is I'm only going to buy Duracell batteries from now on because they're sponsoring Williams. And I'm, I'm just sorry, other battery companies. Also, Duracell, when you sponsored Rebel Boisel's car, that, that looked amazing for those IndyCar fans out there. So Duracell, you have my loyalty. Yeah, I'm... Definitely cool to see. I am partial to my Amazon.com batteries because they're super cheap. And I mean, they're not nearly the quality of Duracell batteries. Like I'm not, not lying there, but when, when I buy batteries for my race monitor for my race radio that I bring to the track every weekend, I buy the packs with 36 and they're like $8 on Amazon. So this is purely a, I cost thing. Can I just say that I saw a lot of people when that announcement came out make jokes about like a rabbit or a bunny, and that's Energizer. It was like <laughs> annoying the hell out of me. This is the Energizer bunny, like the pink yeah. bunny stuffed animal that jumps around, and it, you're just getting your battery companies confused. Yeah, it's just something. Like, yeah, I guess they got to do a better job of marketing it or for people to know the difference, but embarrassing. All right, well, yeah, clowns on that. <laughs> On that note, you're all clowns. If you thought Duracell was the Energizer Bunny, clearly the fact that I just called the Energizer Bunny should tell you enough right there. We'll wrap it up. Everybody, this is the last off-season week before race cars are on track for IndyCar. So I hope you enjoyed the season preview yesterday. I'll be at a racetrack next week, and I'm super pumped. And make sure to support our sponsors and Grinding Coffee and... Podgo and which pod what Podgo is now AdvertiseCast, so check them out. And we might have a new one coming soon. We might have two new ones coming soon, so stay on the lookout. And our friends at Ever PLP Coin, PLP Coin will be coming soon. PLP <laughs> NFTs will be released on the hour, every hour for the next six weeks, every moment of 
every day and they're all going to be the same exact picture each picture will cost 69 dollars. so get ready and each each nft will come with a pair of nikita mazepin socks and an empty can of rich energy from i don't know okay we need to end the episode we've gone off the rails but a lot to look forward to yes i'm i'm pumped up it's it's just about race season testing for f1 racing for indycar everybody have a lovely weekend of racing have you ever wanted to know how to win a formula one grand prix i mean really know know about the driver tactics from the cockpit the strategy calls from the pit wall and even the mind games in the paddock There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.